Hello and welcome to the Down and Distance. I'm John Marsh, and with me, as always, is the Wonder Beard, the Mustache Manchurian Candidate, Austin Gale. And today we're talking a little free agency. We're just going to dive into it and just cover everything we can. Try and cram it down your throats today. Let you know who maybe screwed the pooch, who made some good signings, and if we're going to start off in probably the most exciting spot, I think we got to start with all this Browns news. A team that seemingly over the course of one free agency turned this into an actual football team. Okay, they buy. We already hyped them up as as Super Bowl contenders before any of these moves, so it's pretty much a foregone conclusion now. Browns twenty eighteen, right? Yeah, it, it, they've they've significantly improved that roster, whether it be through trade, through free agency. They've they've done such a great job. Yes, they've had to overpay for some guys, but that's exactly the spot they're in. You know, they're an zero and sixteen team that's going to have to throw out a couple more million dollars to lure away some of these talented guys to go to Cleveland. I'm really excited how they've treated this um, treated this offseason. I think everyone's got to tip their hat to John Dorsey. He's gone in there with a plan and executed it to a T. Trades away Deshaun Kaiser, is able to pick up some picks from the Patriots, trades Jamie Shelton. He's able to the way he's been able to do via trade and free agency is just is just blowing me away. I'm just it, the Cleveland Browns have to be so excited to see someone who's actually doing something, you know, with kind of like an iron fist, you know, that he's coming in there strong seems you know well educated and backed in terms of it's a well orchestrated plan it, 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 it looks good on paper and hopefully it translates into some wins and i gotta ask you i don't know if a lot of people know that you actually live in cincinnati do you see a little more browns jerseys out maybe some smiling faces is anybody a little happier over there no in cincinnati it's it's Bengals only and no one's there's still you know, a lot of Cincinnati fans are still trying to recover from the fact that Marvin Lewis got a contract extension at head coach. They they don't really know why he's still <laughs> he's still over there holding the clipboard. But in terms of Browns fans, I think there's plenty of reason to for why maybe they we might need to trade in our Andy Dalton jerseys for some, some Browns jerseys. Let's get a Tyrod Taylor. Let's get a TT. Oh, T-Mobile. I'm, I'm a big fan of T-Mobile. Speaking of nicknames, yeah, get T-Mobile. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think the Carlos Hyde? Them signing him means they're not going Saquon or screw it, they'll do Saquon too. I think Carlos Hyde makes so much sense for them. You know, he was an Ohio State alum. He, he, he's an Ohio guy. You put him in that backfield behind an offensive line that was able to make, you know, allow Isaiah Crowell our average 4.0 or plus yards per carry last season. Put Carlos Hyde back there. I think he could have a lot of success. I don't think that puts him out of the market for Saquon. But if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not super high on the Browns taking – Saquon at one or four. I think that number four pick is so valuable now that the Jets have traded into the top three. The fact that there's going to be the fourth QB of the big four in Darnold, Baker, Allen, and Rosen available at number four overall, and obviously the Browns will have already taken one number one, I think the trade value for that spot is going to be insane come draft day. I think the Browns would be John Dorsey would be dumb not to trade back with a team like the Buffalo Bills, who's obviously trying to trade up. Even the Denver Broncos, who could go from five to four, like the Bears went from three to two last year. The Broncos do not want to get screwed out of a top one of the top four QBs, and they easily could if the Browns stay uh, uh, leave that spot. And I think th- there's just he's going to be getting too many phone calls for him to select there. And I think if he does move back, he might move back far enough to be out of the Saquon Barkley race. Yeah, and well, with that Jets moving up early, I really love that they did that before anyone else because now that they've done that to move ahead of them it's going to be crazy expensive draft capital wise and then they guaranteed themselves one of the guys there you can't get more people up there so that was like the smartest jets play i've seen in a while 
especially after they missed out on all these free agent QBs, they had to get a guy in the draft. Exactly. And you look at this Jets, they end up giving three second round picks to move up from six to three, which I don't think is crazy given, you know, you have to trade up for a quarterback in this league now. All quarterbacks taken in the first round last year were traded up for, even Mitch Trubisky when the Bears traded up from three to two. I think that's just what's going to happen now for as long as we have this QB drought where you either have a good QB and you go to the playoffs or you don't and you're rebuilding that entire time until you find one. And I think finally now as the, as the, as the league continues to become this passing league, I know it's almost becoming a cliche, but as it continues to become this passing league, the quarterback position couldn't be more valuable than it is now. People are trading up for QBs regardless, regardless of in their top five. I, I could totally see the Broncos trading from five to four and it's not even crazy anymore. It, it, it would just make sense. Yeah. And you, well, you talked about the bills have got to be a little upset that the jets already moved that trade up because they've been gathering that draft capital to make that move because they obviously want to get a quarterback after getting rid of Tyrod Taylor. And now they're looking at the Giants and they might have to pay a lot. And if the Broncos are thinking about moving up a couple steps, that makes it only harder for them to make that step to get their guy. And they might be on the outside looking in and get screwed out of this one. Absolutely. We didn't even bring that up. But the Giants, I think, are 100% going to be trading out of that number two spot unless they're keen on taking a quarterback. You do not sit in that number two spot unless you are taking a quarterback. If the Giants do not trade out, whether it be now, tomorrow, or draft day, I I think they're taking a quarterback of the future and and banking on the fact that they're not going to be in the top five in the next two to three years anyway. So they got to take their quarterback now. However, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I think they want to ride out Eli Manning for the next two or three years. And in that case, trade back for a bevy of picks because that pick has become up, you know, so much more valuable now that the Jets have traded up to three. And, and how, how upset would the Jets be if you know, another team was able to trade ahead of them before and, and take another, you know, that takes another QB out of the market for them? That's what's scary about the Jets trade, you know? Because obviously they, they wouldn't have the luxury to trade on draft day because if they do, it might be costing way much more than what they traded for now. However, say they, you know, it's not like they're just taking, you know, whichever QB lands to them. You know, there's the GM obviously has an, a preference to which QBs he wants. And, and there's probably of those top four, a QB he does not want to pick in general. So he's kind of taking a risk in that maybe one and two, his two favorite candidates go off the board and he's forced to take his third choice, which, which wouldn't be great. But that's what you get that luxury when you when you trade on draft day. Say the, the Denver Broncos wait till the first three picks are made and they're able to trade up to four and know they're getting their guy. However, the draft how much it's going to cost you on draft day is so much different than how much it's going to cost you now. Yeah, and I know they would be. That would such a, be a salty play by the Giants if they just toss that out there. Maybe even give them for less, for less picks. Because I don't know how much a bevy is. How much is a bevy of picks? How many mm-hmm. are you getting for a bevy? I'd say a bevy is about as many picks as you can hold in both your arms, like you're carrying groceries up the stairs. Mm, no bags, just like a, a no bags, okay. just as many groceries. Like, and, and they're different. You know, obviously you got bananas, you got peanut butter, maybe you know some protein of some sort, but yeah. it, different sizes and shapes. But that's kind of my bevy definition, yeah. if for for lack of a Webster. Well, this is J and G's Webster. We're starting our own thing. <laughs> James Webster, I'll take it. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking Browns here. Of the picks that they've been able to bring in, maybe just free agents. Let's not talk to trades. Just free agents. Who do you think is going to have the most impact in year one with Cleveland? Ooh, that's I think, well, we, we haven't really touched on the another thing with the Browns. Uh, Joe Thomas retiring. And I think oh. I think the signing of these tackles that they brought in, Donald Stevenson and Chris Hubbard, those are going to be important to see if they're able to semi-replace him. Because losing that is obviously he was a stalwart for them, and he was something they didn't have to worry about year in year out. They had a left tackle, 
Now they don't. So I think if either of those guys can pan out to be a serviceable tackle, that's going to be huge for them. For sure. And Chris Hubbard's only 26 years old. And, and I know Pittsburgh was raving at him and hoping they could bring him back, but he ended up making you know starter money. And I think he only, you know, he was primarily a right tackle in Pittsburgh. So it'd be interesting to see if they ask him to switch, switch sides and play left tackle. But I think this is a perfect time to bring up the discussion that right tackles and left tackles, I think, are st- slowly becoming of equal value because right tackles in this league are going up against Khalil Mack and, and Von Miller lands up on the right side. It, like you're, there's no longer this thing where your left tackle has to be the better pass blocking tackle because a lot of the times the right tackle is going against better pass rushers. That's why it's so important to get a guy like Mitchell Schwartz mm-hmm. who's been playing playing great at right tackle, Jack Conklin in Tennessee who's been playing great at right tackle. Those are the best pass blocking offensive lines. You don't just need a good pass blocking left tackle. Both bookends have got to be strong, and I think that's why they came in and got Chris Hubbard and Donald Stevenson. Yeah, and well, I mean, you just got to throw a couple guys that are trying to replace Joe Thomas. You can't get one. Something interesting for me, though, from with the Browns and, and moving away from this tackle discussion, is they're signing a TJ Carey. I, I, I like TJ Carey a lot. Obviously, big Oakland Raiders fan, so I know what he can do. But with that being said, I know he's at his best in the slot. And last year, Brian Body Calhoun mm-hmm. ha- had one of the better slot, you know, slot coverage performances. You know, of the year last year, he was he was just, you know very very good in the slot, playing with that Cleveland with a Cleveland in his Cleveland secondary that didn't have a lot of good, big names, a lot not a lot of playmakers. So I just hope they don't ask too much of Brian Body Calhoun in this next season. Maybe move TJ Carey in the slot and ask Calhoun to move outside. I, I just don't think that would be the right decision. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him, whether they like like him for depth. But given how much he pay, he was paid, I don't think this guy's going to be a, a depth guy. I think they're looking to get this guy on the field early and often. Yeah, and I know we were kind of talking about the Raiders possibly bringing him back, but there was zero chance for that kind of money. Uh, I think they're just doing the same sort of strategy at corner, though, with the Terrence Mitchell, TJ Carey. They got Demarius Randall in that Deshaun Kaiser trade. Uh, I think they're just throwing bodies out there, and they're hoping that one of them sticks because they have the money. They have a crazy amount of money, so throw it out there and see if one of those guys can ball out for them. That's true, and as we you know, as we see these contracts laid out, oftentimes GMs set themselves up with potential outs in every contract within the first you know within the first or two years. So, and when you look at these contracts, you see that a lot. You know, in two years, the Browns could do away with Travis Carey and have zero money in dead cap, and these type of you know cuts on the they they set themselves up that way. So when you see like a four year deal to a twenty seven year old TJ Carey who would be thirty one if he played through that deal. You have to understand that this is more of a two-year deal. They have a potential out after the 2019 season, and, and that's when they're going to decide his fate moving forward, which could be a likely release depending on how he plays. So I think it's always important for kind of the the standard fan or the average fan to understand that when you see your team kind of you know bringing this guy in on a three, four, five-year deal when he's up there, you know, a little long in the tooth. If you dive into the contract specifics, you'll see that the GM has set himself up with a potential out in one or two years to really understand if he deserves the length of the contract. Yeah, and that's becoming more and more popular with kind of the money ball stuff. And that's why you see a lot of these guys ditch for picks when they could be cut for, you know, no cap money, but you could just cut them or you can try and trade them for something that seems not worthy of the player, like uh, Joe Hayden being traded for like a sixth round or cut last year. But a guy mm-hmm. like that getting traded for like a sixth or seventh round pick, but it's just they were going to cut him anyway, so why not? And I think that's just a testament to how valuable cap space is nowadays. You'll see guys trade away very talented players that are due a lot of money for very low round picks, you, 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 mm-hmm. which you're saying, you know, at face, like Marcus Peters' trade comes to mind. And, and, but you know, I guess that's different because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't due as much money in that, in that time period. But there, yeah. there's guys that come to mind where you're, they're trading them away for really low, you know, low rounders and stuff like that because they're, they're due so much money. And, and I think you're going to continue to see that as like 
prices for every position continue to go up while the cap space doesn't really match each position increase. Yeah, and you brought up that Marcus Peters trade. Do we want to talk about this this Rams secondary? Are they going to the Super Bowl? We, I, mean, I think it's important. Wait, I, 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 I didn't get your opinion on it. What, what are you giving the Browns now? Give me a, give me an under over playoffs. Ooh, under. I'm going not. I'm not saying playoffs, and I'm blaming it entirely on the Hugh Jackson effect. I still don't believe in Hugh Jackson to be able to coach this team into the playoffs. I think with the level of talent they have on this roster, I, I could see a, a, a ceiling at eight wins. But I think honestly, I could see them stumbling to maybe five or six wins because, and I think it's, it gets overlooked sometimes. But chemistry in football is so important, and when you bring in the amount of new faces at Absolutely. at leadership positions, yeah, Tyrod Taylor's new. You're not going to have a you know a leader on the offensive line that you've had for the past like ten plus years. You, you got a new running back. You're going to have a new receiving core. Well, not necessarily new, but yeah, Corey Coleman. You know, Jarvis Landry's coming in. He's a dominant personality in the locker room. There's going to be so much of a culture change in Cleveland. That I think it's going to be hard to kind of everyone wrap their minds around it and really identify who's leading the defense, who's leading the offense, and who's even leading the coaching staff at this point. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost too much change for there to be you know significant strides in terms of the win column, but it's a step in the right direction for maybe year two, year three of this experiment. I start to bank on the Browns being playoff contenders. I, I'm going to go ahead and say this year they might possibly sneak their way in. Just looking at the division, okay, the Bengals are an all-time worse. Joe Flacco still sucks. And Big Ben is contemplating retirement daily. Uh, I could see if, if Big Ben if Big Ben goes down or, or something happens to this Steelers squad with Le'Veon Bell and kind of a locker room issue, I could see the Browns somehow sneaking their way in with like a weird nine and nine and seven, just a little nice nine and seven for them. Mm. I feel like it's almost too early. To, I mean, it's obviously too early. It's all these win loss predictions we make are going to be too early before the draft, but. You know, we don't know if they're going to bring a QB at number one and and start him ahead of Tyrod. You know, it's hard to even yeah. really understand who the who the leaders of this team are right now. And without even a preseason in play, I think an early win loss record is kind of a you know a, a, a shot in the dark. Put it on the board. I'm sticking to it. I don't care. Okay, I like I'm, it. I like it. Shooting. I might buy you a Browns jersey. Bet yeah, I'll th- you want a better Browns jersey on it. I'll bet a Browns jersey on it. Let's bet a Browns jersey on it. All right. Who do you want? All right, we'll put a Browns jersey on it. I'll, I'll figure it out when the season starts. i got to figure out who I like. Okay, I already know who I want, so it's good. All right, cool, cool. Uh, we were on the Rams here. We were talking about that secondary. Uh, they signed. They got three new corners on that team. They got Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Nickel Roby. Kind of a, went under the radar there. Uh, Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters, does this make it? one of the best secondaries in the NFL, if not the best at this point? I think, I think it's a great secondary. I think Marcus Peters is a baller. I've, I've thought he was either a top three corner in this league for the last past two, three years even. He, he's been at the top of his game ever since he's entered this, the, entered the NFL. And, and now you add in Keith Lee, two just dominant personas, confident dudes, the swagger on that secondary, regardless of how good they are, the swagger of that secondary. And factor in old Marcus Joyner still coming back at safety on the franchise tag. This secondary could do some amazing, amazing things in terms of turning the ball over, passes defense. However, both corners, Akeem Tlaib and Marcus Peters, are high risk takers. And I, I think that you know they jump, they jump routes and they force those turnovers, but they also kind of can, can be known to give up the big play. I think it's going to be important for Wade Phillips, who I think is one of the best defensive coordinators to ever do it, to kind of hone that talent. And if he can do his best to kind of create, you know, coach the secondary into being maybe a better balance of conservative and aggressive. I, I think sky's the limit. I think you know. I think Jags is the limit. I think the Jaguars are still going to be the top secondary, especially because they have that continuity. And Jalen Ramsey is probably the best corner in the game. Yeah, and then he's you, you pair him. Obviously, um, AJ Bouye has played very well. I, I think they're the safeties. I think Rams might have the nod there, but I think corner is the more obviously the more valuable position in the secondary. 
they're going to be going neck and neck for as long as the, mm-hmm. the, the, those entire units are healthy. Yeah, well, I think when you talk about Wade Phillips turning that defense in, with Aaron Donald and everything that he's able to do and that pressure that they're able to create when they have some actual guys out there on the edge now, and I think that that risk-taking style is going to play well into the heavy pressure that is created because they know the ball's going to be coming out quick and they're going to be able to jump these routes like they do really well, and I think it's going to turn into – Probably, like you said, it's going to be them and the Jags, one and two for one of the top defenses this year. Yeah, I agree. It's it's crazy to think that Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, and Aaron Donald are going to be playing on the same defense next year. Yeah, that's frightening. I, I've, I'd almost <laughs> say I'd almost say that that might make them the best, the scariest. Maybe not the best statistically, because who know, who cares about that anyway? I'm just talking about scary. And they and they still have room to grow, in my opinion. I think edge defender still stands out as a need. I think that linebacker they just traded Alec Ogletree, who I wasn't. I'm not raving about being the best in the world, but that kind of opens up a hole at linebacker for them. I don't know. I think they, 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 they're going to be a great defense regardless, but if they can add some of those pieces too, maybe in the draft, maybe a couple uh, tier three free agents, th- this defense gets even better. And, and it's kind of even hard to say that, but it, it could be crazy. Yeah, I think uh, pass rush is definitely something you could see them going in the first round of the draft with that offense being uh, as good as it was last year. I think they target the defense and try and stop the rest of these guys, that Jimmy G over there in the division. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, you look at these top two, uh, two top two edge defenders for the Rams going into next season are Matt Longacare and Samson Ibakum. Th- th- those two guys have very limited snaps, very inexperienced, and have yet to prove to be even close to to good pass rushers at a consistent level. Aaron Donald can't do it by himself. He, I mean, he can, but he could use some help if this defense he can. is. Good. He, can. <laughs> he can do it he by can. himself. But you got Donald and Brockers on the inside. Can you imagine? If they were, they were able to bring in some edge defenders, some outs, you know, the, the, kind of playing that three-four outside, maybe four-three defensive end role, to come in there and actually attack the pass, you know, call in some double teams. That defensive line could be legendary. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's something they should target early in the draft and spend 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 as much as they can on it because if they roll in with Longa Care and Samson and Buckham, I think it's I think it's going to be bad news. Um, let, you said you wanted to get into some of these big contracts. Let's talk. Which one? What's the one of these big contracts you think was a good one? Maybe a couple bad ones here. So you know, I think let's just immediately move to the biggest contract: a three-year, eighty-four million, fully guaranteed at signing signing uh, for the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins. Eighty-four million dollars in his pocket now. It's fully guaranteed. They could cut him tomorrow, and he's getting it, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's, it's uh, revolutionary for the NFL. I think it's something that we could see a lot more in the future, specifically with the quarterback position, just because of how how much people need one. You know, there's so many teams in this yeah. league that are like a quarterback away. You you hear it all the time, and I'm I'm not even surprised by it. Yeah, yeah, it's the first one of its kind, but I, I can't. I'm not surprised by it. I, I just got to say, a lot of people are saying this may become the new standard and whatnot. I'm not so sure about that, just because this was kind of the perfect storm for Kirk Cousins. There's a lot of quarterback hungry teams, and he was pretty much the only guy coming on the market who was of any kind of elite talent. So I think it was more of a perfect storm scenario to get that kind of contract than it's going to be the norm of future uh, quarterback contracts. Can you can you tell me a guy a quarterback with a better wallet right now? He he played back to back years on the franchise tag, so he's making top dollar there, and then he signs a three year, eighty four million dollar contract, fully guaranteed at twenty nine years old. Kirk Cousins played this to a T, man. He, he, he's, he's bringing in a lot of money, and he's going to go to a team that was you know, a, a game away from a Super Bowl berth with Case Keenum under center. Factor in Kirk yeah. Cousins, and a lot of those pieces are staying there. Stephon Diggs is coming back. Adam Thielen's coming back. Kyle Rudolph. You, you, Jared McKinnon's leaving, but now they got Dalvin Cook coming back. That offense, you, you bring in some good offensive linemen there. 
I think the Vikings are early, early contenders for at least an NFC championship berth. Yeah, and I don't know who Kirk Cousins' agent is, but I would say to all you rookies coming out into the NFL, maybe take a look at him. I'd maybe give him a shot. He seems to know what he's doing. Oh, I definitely, I definitely shoot him a text. Yeah, you know, see if he's taking on any new clients for sure. Yeah. So we we've talked about money this entire time, but can you give me give me your take on just just the Kirk Cousins fit in Minnesota and what do you think you know his ceiling is there in terms of wins, in terms of you know stats, whatever whatever, however you want to take that question. Okay, I, I I'll put it this way: I think he's definitely an upgrade. I'm not as excited as if they signed. People are making it sound like they signed an elite, extremely elite quarterback. No matter what way you spin it, the Redskins have not been good. He ha- doesn't have a winning record there. He hasn't been amazing uh, with that Redskins team as far as leading them to wins. He's put up good numbers. So I think he stepped into a better situation. They upgrade a little bit, but I don't think he puts – he's not going to be the thing that wins them games. It's still going to be that defense. It's still going to be the running game, and it's still be the play calling that they do. I think he just is a more efficient passer, and they're probably going to be able to open stuff up a little bit more than they were with Case Keenum throwing those ducks out there in the <laughs> or Teddy Bridgewater having to have a glove on. He's got more arm strength. So I don't think he's going to be, it's not going to be an MVP season for him, but he's definitely an upgrade for this team. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Is he an upgrade or is he not? And if he is, I think if he is after case Keenum, this team should look like, you know, at least Super Bowl. not maybe not Super Bowl winning favorites, but I mean, favorites to go just because, a lot of the pieces are still in place. The defense is still going to be fantastic. They're maintaining so much of that talent on the defense side of the ball and the offense side of the ball. I think you bring in a quarterback who I think is world, world's way better than Case Keenum. And in my opinion, I think he's a lot better than Case Keenum. He brings more of that game, game-winning potential. He's not a game manager like Case Keenum was. He's a guy that can attack, and he might throw inter- more interceptions than Case Keenum, but I think he also throws more touchdowns. He can turn what was Absolutely. A, de- a team that you know got into these defensive battles and just trying to be the last guys to, you know, you know the guy that doesn't turn the t- t- turn the ball over and somehow come out on top. I think this, the, he turns them into a team that can go toe to toe with the New Orleans Saints, go toe to toe with some of these you know firepower offenses, and I think it's going to be exciting to see in Minnesota. And I, I, I as we divvy into a fantasy aspect, Stefan Diggs is someone I want early, early, early. I think Stefan Diggs and Kirk Cousins are going to do some great things. Yeah, and when we talk about those receivers as far as the fantasy thing, you want to take a look at in preseason who he kind of gels with because last year the go-to guy was kind of Adam Thaleen, and he could mesh with, with Stefan. He couldn't mess, uh, mesh with Thaleen, whichever way that goes. And you also kind of mentioned they haven't lost any of those pieces. They added pieces to that defense. They got Sheldon Richardson on a one-year deal to add to that defensive line and just absolutely wreak havoc. So I think it's definitely an easy pick for them to be Super Bowl contenders this next upcoming year. And I agree. Let's move to another monster contract here. Trumaine Johnson going to the Jets on a five-year, $72.5 million deal. Do you think this is another situation where the Jets overpaid for a corner that's going to flop? Or do you think this is a situation where the Jets pay the right guy. I I like Tremaine Johnson. I think he's a good corner and I think he is going to be an upgrade for their secondary. Did they overpay? Yes. He's not a top. He he didn't get paid. He got paid like he's a top five corner and he's not, but he, they, they got to do it. They suck. So throw him some extra cash. It's the only way to do it. And we know it as Raider fans, we've been doing it for years, throwing extra money at people trying to get a couple guys. So they had to do it, but he's going to play well for them. I don't think it's a contract that they're going to regret. Uh, very much in the future, especially with whenever you throw one of these huge contracts out, someone else gets a bigger one. So we'll forget about it by the end of next year, probably. 
Well, just hear me out on this stat and take it as you will. Tremaine Johnson, with this contract, will make $26 million in 2018. The Rams secondary, including LaMarcus Joyner, Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, and Nikel Roby Coleman, will collectively make $25 million. I don't know, but I think the Jets got hosed on this. I, I think absolutely hosed. It gave a guy that much money so early. It's such a front-loaded contract. He's due $45 million over the next three years. And then the potential out is it has been inserted into the contract. $45 million in three years. If this guy's not a top-five corner for the next three years, they're getting absolutely hosed. And I just don't know if he has it. He's 28 years old. He's never been considered mm-hmm. a top top-five corner in this league. And they paid him like one. I'm so excited to see if he can gel with this defense and prove me wrong. But when you're paying a guy $26 million, I need you to play, be a top five corner. Show You need to be the first to practice with birthday cake. I want donuts. Coffee needs to be filled. This guy needs to be doing working extra hours because that's just so much money for a guy that really, in my opinion, has never really been considered a top cornerback in this league. Did you say birthday cake in that thing? You want to bring in coffee, donuts, and yeah, birthday bir- cake? Yeah, I need him to memorize the birthdays of every other player on the calendar. Coaches too, and, and bring birthday cakes in because that money needs to go somewhere. It needs to, it needs to be reinvested back into the Jets facilities because it's just so much. And I, I don't know. When I saw when I saw that stat, I, I don't know who tweeted it out. I, my jaw almost dropped. I, I couldn't believe it. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned it's super front-loaded and all that. For the Jets, they're two, three years away from even being relevant. And they have to hit on this quarterback thing, but they don't have any pe- – they just re-signed Josh McCown to you know th- throw the tires back on it. So they're a few years away from being anywhere near a good team. So I don't mind them throwing a little extra money at a guy to try and get a piece here and there to build off of. I feel like I'm in the opposite boat. If, if these guys had a quarterback that they knew they could ride with and maybe rake the playoffs with – Maybe you dump a, a lot of cash thinking that your window's two, three years. But their window's not two, three years. In two, three years, Tremaine Johnson will have $45 million, sorry, $45 million in his pocket, and the Jets will have zero playoff wins. That's that's exact. That's ex- you, could, you could hold me to it. They're gonna, he's going to be $45 million richer, and then he's going to be cut because he's too expensive, and he'll still have zero playoff wins with the Jets. I'm, you're probably right. You're probably right, and I can't argue it. I just simply can't. All right, let's move to a contract I like. Let's move to a contract I like. Yeah, let's get on what he like. Come on. Jacksonville signs the cream of the crop of this class. And regardless of position, this is the cream of the crop in this free agent class. Andrew Norwell from the Carolina Panthers on a five-year, $66.5 million deal. They set their potential out in two years, $30 million. So after two years, if this guy's not what he's been his entire career, earning 85.0-plus grades in all four years of career after being an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State, if he somehow turns a new leaf in his career, they're able to get out of it early. But – I think regardless, they feel a direct position of need. Their guards have been terrible. AJ Can has not panned out coming out of South Carolina. And now they put him in, be able to pr- protect Blake Bortles with one of the best guards, if not, I think, the best guard in the NFL right now. An outstanding an outstanding sign. And I'm not sure how they were able to sway him. Maybe it was the dollar figure, but I think that's everyone in Jacksonville has got to be excited about bringing this guy in. I think it was probably the dollar figure on swaying him. Uh, they, I mean, they were also a playoff team. And offensive line is one of the few needs that they really had to improve on to make this team even more of a contender. So like you said, it's going to be uh, protecting Blake Bortles, but it's also going to be opening up some running lanes a little better than, like you said, AJ Conn and whatnot for Leonard Fournette, who's really the focal point of this offense. So definitely a great sign for them. They had a few questionable other signs for me, but that was one of the ones <laughs> I definitely did like. I agree. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to divvy to those other to to deviate 
to those other signings. I think what they did at the wide receiver position is one of the more head-scratching free agent moves I've seen in a while. They let Allen Robinson go. They let Allen Robinson go, who if I I, I don't want to be corrected here, but I think is only 24 years old. I'm I'm, I'm double-checking the numbers Mm -hmm. now. Yes, 24 years old. They let him go and replaced him with re-signing Marquise Lee and then bringing in Dante Moncrief on a pretty monster deal. I don't think that's going to work. I, I, I'm honest with you. I think Allen Robinson coming off, the, coming off the injury is going to be more successful than those two combined. I, I don't see Marquis Lee being able to replace him. I, I like what Dante Moncrief brings to the table, but he's almost more unproven than Allen Robinson. I don't know. I, I think receiving-wise, that could be the Achilles heel for this Jags team. Yeah, and if they none of these guys are able to make – defenses respect them and kind of keep people out of the box then they're going to be screwed the the marquis lee i would like i would like the signing of marquis lee why four years 34 what has he done for you to show he would even play three of those four years i i would have liked a one-year deal for marquis a one-year deal for dante moncrief I did, and then hey, moncrief got a one-year deal moncrief yeah, got he, a one-year deal for seven one year, which, which is I, respectable but it was almost like a Band-Aid at that point. You know, Moncrief, I, I, like I said, has some desirable traits. I think he's good in contested catch situations, but I think that's an extremely volatile stat. Marquise Lee, I just don't think he's a true number one. I don't think Dante Moncrief's a true number no. one. And the guys that got else on the roster and Alan Hearns, definitely not number one receivers. They try and, you know, replace Mercedes Lewis with Austin Safarian Jenkins, which, yeah, he kind of had to come back here with the Jets, but that's all they really had in terms of pass catchers. I don't know, man. I think Blake Bortles is, is going to be crying for receiving help. And let me tell you this now, the NFL draft does not have a lot of talented receivers that can come in and be true number ones. I think this Jacksonville team may have – to to allude to what you previously mentioned at the top of the podcast, screw the pooch. <laughs> screw the pooch. Uh, you know, another another signing that they had that really irked me, and I don't know how he keeps getting paid, DJ Hayden on three years for 19 mil. What has he done? Oh, my god! How does he keep getting paid in this I, league, G? He's got no I, interception. I could not believe that. He hasn't had an interception in three years. It's Here at PFF headquarters, we we saw that signing together in the office, and, and I threw my hands in the air. I, I I got the report, I got the notification, threw my hands in the air, and said, "How in the world is DJ Hayden worth anything more than the veteran minimum?" I I, I threw out this stat on Twitter earlier. Rashawn Melvin, who who who, yes, he's a one year wonder, played strong at outside corner, has had a lot of success. I mean, not a lot of success, but had a lot of success last season with a lot of potential to play along the boundary, the more important position than the slot. Makes six and a half million next year. Tyron Matthew, who has had, he's playing at the top of his game. He's been at the, the, you know, one of the best, you know, one of the better defensive backs when he's been on top of his game and healthy, making seven million. DJ Hayden, he's making seven point two five and bringing home Jacksonville money like it's candy. I cannot believe that he's able to pull out more money than Matthew and Rashawn Melvin in, in on this deal. Yeah, that's just I'm upset. I'm not. Nothing gets me more upset than a Raider player that we know is bad getting paid this kind of money then no interception since 2015 how do you what's he's earned sub he's earned sub 60.0 overall grades in all four years of his career he must be a great interviewer <laughs> you know what i said you should get who you should get kurt cousins agent forget that get dj hayden's agent because if that guy can get DJ Hayden that deal yeah they could be the same guy i think they're similar savvy in both those deals i think that they could honestly be the same guy I'm, I'm honestly surprised that 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 was incredible the way that DJ Hayden was able to come out of that with th- three years. What was it? Three years, nineteen. Yeah, three years, nineteen million. I think 13, 13 million guaranteed. You're kidding? Or how, I don't know how you much. You shut it, up. No, 
I need to see you how much. No, it was nine and a half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half guaranteed, Ooh, and I apologize. That's still but too still much too guaranteed. much. Yeah. Still too much. The Jacksonville Jaguars, though, I love the Norwell signing. I think every at every other position, unless you you know you look at this receiving position, I think they made mistakes. Corner, they made some mistakes. I don't know. I, I, I'm nervous though. Going back to the receiver. Who's your go-to guy? Who is your go-to guy if you're Blake Bortles in 2018? Well, Blake Bortles' go-to guy is usually just not the other team. So uh, I don't think he's that worried about it. One of the guys I did like that we didn't mention, Niles Paul. I think that could easily become a go-to guy for him. He's uh, kind of like a sneaky Jordan Reed. You're a Reed. big Niles Paul fan. I am. I'm you're a, a big Niles Paul He's like fan. a sneaky Jordan Reed. He's got the same kind of skill set. And he was he – was So sneaky up. that he's never been good? <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. I think – Watch it! Watch out! He's a he's a sleeper draft pick for me in fantasy this year. Are you kidding? They have so many tight ends on that roster. I know. Mercedes <laughs> Lewis, Ben Koyak, Austin Severian Jenkins, Michael Rivera is on that team. They, 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 there's way too. I don't know. Not I, you can take him. You can, I'm just sleeping on him. You can, you can call him a sleeper. I'm sleeping on him. Taking a really big right. nap on Niles Paul. All right, all right. Uh, under over on Niles. Let's Paul. stop bashing the Jags. We <laughs> can't right, stop right. bashing. We could we could stop bashing him. Who, well, let me get another monster contract from you. Uh, highest paid offensive tackle, highest paid offensive lineman in the league now. Nate Solder, blindside protector for Tom Brady for as kind of as long as I can remember, goes to the New York Giants on a four year, sixty two million dollar deal, thirty four point eight million dollars guaranteed at signing. Monster, monster deal. How do you like this move for the Giants? I know how you like it for Solder. Solder's partying at his house right now, twenty nine years old, signing a four year deal with thirty five million guaranteed. But how do you like it for the Giants? The the only worry for me is Soldier has kind of fallen off a little bit in recent years as far as grades. He's still definitely one of the top tackles as far as pass protecting, but I think he could be exposed a little more with a not Tom Brady as his quarterback because Tom Brady gets the ball out quick. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, so it makes his job a little easier. And I think he could be looking at this could be one of the deals that people are going to be scoffing at at the end of the year because I don't know if he it, he's definitely not a top five tackle for me in this league and to get that much money is, is just a little too much for me. And I think they were throwing money at an issue that they've had for a while. Now the offensive line has been an issue for this Giants team for a very long time. And I don't know if this is the guy that's going to turn it around. Yeah. And I think the Giants, honestly, I don't want to blame the Giants as much as people are. I think the Giants were just in a terrible, terrible spot. They needed a left tackle. Eric Flowers was not going to get it done. Their right tackle's bad. They're going to move right. They, they've asked Eric Flowers to move to right tackle with this move. But the Giants were in such a desperate need for offensive tackle. This draft has probably had the worst offensive tackle class in recent memory so they're looking at this they're looking at their draft board and they're looking at this free agent class seeing nate solder is the top guy and i think they just had to pull the trigger and nate solder obviously his agent knew that you who who else are you going to sign who else in this free agent class are you going to sign up exactly. tackle? it's not gonna you know chris hubbard was the the second highest paid offensive tackle and he made nearly half as much as solder was going to make because he's only played right tackle in this league I think you, 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 mm-hmm. Nate Solder was the only one with significant experience and high-end experience playing the blind side, playing the left tackle spot. And, and the New York Giants had to pay up because that agent, ha- agent had a loaded hand. He was playing with a loaded hand. He knew that you know he wasn't walking out of there with, without being the, the highest paid tackle, and the Giants just had to fork it up because they're in a situation that could have gotten out of free agency without giving them as much money as they did. Well, especially after that Norwell deal, too, because – Norwell is the highest paid lineman in the NFL. I think Soldier looked at that and he said, hey, if you want an elite tackle, I mean, I'm worth at least as much as a guard. So you got to pay up. And like you said, it's a perfect storm because there isn't any other guys to fill that need, especially when the draft, like you mentioned, is there's no one I would even consider in the first round. 
at the tackle position and especially not at number two. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think I want to move to another sign here. Maybe not a monster deal, but I think monster in terms of potential impact. Jarek McKinnon, who's been a career backup, is getting a feature role in San Francisco on a four-year, $30 million deal. Shanahan loves this guy. Jarek McKinnon's happy to be there. Do you think McKinnon can be a feature back and put up significant production without, you know, without not just passing production, I'm talking on the ground. Do you think Jarek McKinnon on the ground can be a top back in this league? No, no, he can't. He's not going to, and he won't. He's Burn, had this, I love it. He, I love it. He's had, no. <laughs> had this potential hanging over him ever since the draft when he had that crazy combine. You know, he did the ridiculous amount of bench reps. He had it, it came out of nowhere. And he's averaged, I think, under 3.5 yards a carry for most of his career. He's never had over 160 carries in a, in a season. And he's always had this potential, but it's never really happened. So I think they kind of bet on it. And I just don't think it's going to come around. I think that everyone is still waiting on it to happen. And it's just not. I will say this. I, I think I love Jarek McKinnon in terms of his skill set. I think he's, he's a fun guy to watch. He's able to make, make, make people miss in space. And if there were one, one destination where he was going to succeed, one spot that he could have a good amount of success, I think it's San Francisco right now. Kyle Shanahan's offense kind of fits him to a T in terms of what he's able to do both in the passing game and as a rusher. I still think that the Niners will be missing a, a kind of a bigger, beefier back to run in between the tackles. But given McKinnon enough touches, I think exciting things can happen. Whether or not he's going to be efficient with his touches, I think he's got big play. It's like boom or bust potential in San Francisco, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'll be excited to see some of the some of the boom plays. Do you know what the out is for him? Looking at his contract, it's he's out after the first year. He, he's he's only guaranteed twelve million at signing, and after that, all of that money is he has no more dead cap, no more no more dead space. So after this year, they could move on from him with zero zero money in in terms of dead space. So if Jared McKinnon doesn't have an outstanding year, which kind of hints that they're going to give this guy a lot of touches for as long as he's healthy to really understand if they want to move forward with him. He's twenty five years old. You know, if they want this guy to be a long term solution there, I think they're going to try and try and pat him up with a lot of touches this year, which which should be telling for both fantasy owners and, and San Francisco fans. I'm going to I'm going to call it now. He's cut after the season. There's no, just no he's not he's wow. not going to perform and he's going to get drafted crazy high in fantasy drafts. I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for people to screw that one up. And he's he's not going to do it. He's bad. I don't think he's good. I think he's bad and it's going to be a mistake by his wow. Niners team. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to stand on the opposite side of that line. I, I'm not saying he's going to be outstanding. But I don't think he's going to get cut after this year. I think he's going to do enough in Kyle Shanahan's offense to, su- to succeed to a point where they want to keep him around for another year. With that being said, I don't see him going over 1,000 yards. I think he com- he's a guy, it's a scrimmage yard guy that comes maybe 1,500 scrimmage yards and like six to eight touchdowns could be, could be a nice, nice year of production for Jared McKinnon if he is healthy enough to play all 16 games. Uh, ugh, no. Give me your stat line. Give me your yearly I'm, stat I'm line saying, for, for Derek McKinnon. I'm saying he doesn't get over 800 yards rushing, and he's not getting over 400 yards receiving. I just don't think he's going to be able okay. to do it. I mean, I like a lot of. So you're setting the bar at 1,200 scrimmage yards. How much touchdowns? Uh, let's give him. I'll give him five. I'll give him five. That's kind of the more realistic, and the more you say it, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, it's just I think he got paid too much, and I like a lot of what the Niners did, especially with Weston Richburg and Richard Sherman. But this is one of the ones that I think they kind of reached and they needed they didn't want to bring out Carlos Hyde for whatever reason. But uh, they I think they think Jarek McKinnon's going to be a good fit, but he's just not a, as good a back as he's projected to be. Moving to another running back that I was a fan of last year and is kind of moving to a situation where I think he can have a lot of success. 
Deion Lewis signs a four-year, $19.8 million deal with the Tennessee Titans, joins Derrick Henry to be that lightning to what is already a, a thunderous, thunderous back in Derrick Henry. I think that duo is going to be exciting, and I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, well, we, we talked about it uh, on the last podcast with uh, Derrick Henry. They just need to find a complimentary back, and Deion Lewis definitely is a perfect complement to him. It's just for Deion Lewis, can he stay healthy? And he was able to do it last year. And if he is able to do it going forward, then I think it's a perfect sign for them. I think they complement each other perfectly. And I mean, realistic, he's also a good return man. So I think they got that there too. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Deion Lewis can do a lot of fun things. He was very good after the catch last year. He's also very good, you know, in a feature role for the first time in his career. He played well through all the way through the Super Bowl. I think what's going to suck for me, though, is that he's not going to get the same amount of carries that he got last year. Last year, he was kind of the go-to guy for the Pats. And now I think Derrick Henry is going to be that number one back. While Deion Lewis kind of comes in on passing downs and plays that kind of change of pace role. It'd be interesting to see his production. But I think on an efficiency standpoint, he'll be okay enough to where his yards per attempt will more than make up for his lack of touches. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a huge numbers guy, but he's definitely going to be efficient for them. Absolutely. Looking at some of these other signs, let's go to a Raiders signing. Uh, Jordy Nelson signing this deal, you know, I think it was two years, 13 million, or no, it's two years, 15 million with 13 million guaranteed. He goes to the Raiders, uh, joins his former receivers, to the, the former Green Bay Packers receivers coach. He obviously is going to replace his Crabtree because the release was pending when, when, when Jordy went in there. What do you think? Do, what, what do you think Jordy in Oakland is going to do? So you said you wanted to move to the Raiders signings. What you should have said is you wanted to start moving towards teams that have screwed the pooch um, <laughs> as far as their offseason. Um, this, I, it's just a head scratch for me as far as uh, if we were purely looking at him, someone to replace Crabtree. He's older than Crabtree. He had a worse year than Crabtree did last year, even though Crabtree had a, a down year. And he's one year coming off a season-ending injury. And we paid him roughly the same amount of money. So I don't know if it, there was any kind of plus minus on this at all for us. If not, we just got older at the position. So I think overall it's just a negative. I think it's easy to have that takeaway, specifically when you're looking at the two Crabtree and Jordy Nelson's on-field kind of impact. I think you, it, you're, 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 you're splitting hairs in terms of comparing their two on-field talents. I think they both bring similar impact and similar production in, at both their worst and at their best. I think Jordy, in terms of off-the-field, Answers a problem that was, you know, you heard reports all off. I mean, as soon as the season broke, that Michael Crabtree was a locker room cancer. He was starting drama, didn't support Derek Carr. That apparently Derek and Michael Crabtree weren't talking for extended periods of time during the season. I think it was an off-field upgrade. I think they needed to get that drama and that, you know, negative aura or you know that that was happening behind the scenes. And they needed to get rid of him, but they couldn't get rid of him unless they had a valuable, a, a good enough replacement. And I think Jordan Nelson is that kind of guy who's where he's good enough to replace Michael Crabtree. And in terms of the money, I think I agree with you in that it's maybe too much. But Jordy's agent went in there like like Solder's agent with a loaded hand. We know you're going to release Crabtree after this, so we're not walking out of here with any less money than you're giving Crabtree. And then you know the Raiders were forced to do it. I think. Yeah, I mean it's just upsetting because you know he better have everyone in that locker room kumbaya. If, if that's the upgrade, <laughs> everybody better be bus buds in that locker room. If that's the whole reason we did it, because on the field, I do like Crabtree's kind of talking and his fire that he brings, especially when we're playing the Chiefs and he brings that extra attitude that I think can get our offense sparked. I just don't know. Jordy, I could easily see him coming in this year and having pretty much a replicate season of Crabtree last year. Just all right. Not not any kind of great numbers, mm -hmm. pr probably under 800 receiving yards. 
I it's it was a head scratcher for me. Not, I'm not super excited about it either way, unless everyone's just best buds in the locker room. Then sure, go for it. Yeah, on the field, I like Crabtree over Jordy at this at both at their both their respective points in their career. However, off the field, I think maybe Jordy, as long as he's talking to Derek Carr, it's going to be in a better situation with Derek. And I think Derek, most importantly, needs to feel good about who he's throwing the ball to. I don't think Amari Cooper is the guy that I imagine them having you know c- c- developing a strong friendship with, just because I think Amari's personality, at least from what you see from in locker in, in interviews and things like that is not necessarily a buddy, buddy guy. But if Jory is able to come in there and be not necessarily a mentor, but an on field and off field kind of close friend that can improve lift Derek Carr's game. I think it's a worthwhile signing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just because I'm down on all these, most of these Raiders signings. It's the only reason that, you know, I'm, I'm a little upset. The Doug Martin thing's got me upset. The Justin Ellis deals got me upset. So it's been a tough, it's been tough for me. I'm a little depressed as far as the Raiders. Well, I'm sorry you're depressed. Can you give me a signing you like then? I don't want I don't want to end this pod on a signing that you don't like. Give me a signing you like and let's talk through it. All right, all right. I, I the only thing that brought me back a little bit was the Rashad Melvin signing. And like we were mentioning earlier with uh the DJ Hayden and whatnot, he may have been a one year wonder, but he showed a lot of promise and we got him for relatively cheap on a one year deal in a huge need for us, obviously is a secondary. So I, that, that got me a little bit of a smirk, a small smile, like a little, no teeth showing, no teeth. Just Yeah. He's got good, <laughs> he's got good size. He's, you know, he had a great year last year and I think he answers an obvious mm-hmm. need in terms of a boundary corner. If Gary and Conley can stay healthy and Rashawn Melvin can play through all 16 games, you bring in maybe another defensive back, maybe two in the draft. The secondary is at least serviceable for the, you know, for, for 2018 mm-hmm. before the Melvin signing, you know, people, people were scared of what was going to, what, what the Raiders are going to throw out. They might've moved OB Melfano to corner again, and it could have just been bad news all over, but bringing Melvin ensures that the secondary will at least be serviceable in 2018. At least be serviceable. That's all we can get, right? We, I, I, one of the, I mean, that's all the Raiders can do in terms of the cornerback position for at least the last five, six years. I mean, ever since Nambi left 10, 13, what, however many years you really want to throw there. <laughs> So for probably the least exciting team um, as far as free agency, we got the Colts here who have over around 80 million in cap space. They've signed one player in Danico Autry. And we're looking over kind of the remaining free agencies. There's no one left here as far as any kind of impact players besides Ndamukong. But he's been, it's pretty certain at this point that he's going to be going to the Titans. I think personally, they're just going to sign every shitty free agent left. And just hope, and just hope they're just going to get a bunch of veteran minimum contracts to use up all that money. What do you think? I have, I have no idea, and I think that's hilarious. But I think looking at this contract, a cap space situation. Before I touch on who maybe they actually sign, because I doubt they do bring in everyone that's left. They have, they have the most cap space available right now at seventy-five million. The Browns, who have already spent a lot of money, are second with seventy million. That just speaks to how much money they have. The Browns have still have so much money left where they could bring in a bunch of more names but the, the browns have already brought in a number of players by the colts to only bring in one player with that much money is bewildering I, I think if they were going to sign the best guy available right now in my opinion is navarro bowman the former raider and san francisco 49er and that would fill an obvious need with antonio morrison not really panning out for them at linebacker there's not really a lot of good names there tyrell adams is probably the other guy that you could look at as you know that could don't, start don't, next year but, no, but they, they need Adams. they need an answer there. They need someone to play. I mean, they're not going to get they're not going to get away with 2018 by not having a good linebacker. 
Bauman, though, should look at how much money they have left and ask for the world, in, in my opinion. Yeah, they got to Well, they got to sign somebody. I think we're going to look at a groundbreaking contract for someone absolutely terrible just so that they can spend some of it because they have so many needs. They have an incredible amount of needs. Look at this team. I don't know what the hell they're doing, dude. But when you look at it and we were making jokes about this, the PFF headquarters saying they didn't sign Danico Autry or even were rumored to visit anyone. I mean, to sign anyone until the actual free agency started. I think what they forgot was that you're allowed to talk to players during the tampering period, I think they, I think they might have forgot. Yeah. I, I think they completely they forgot. took a nap. They were out. I think Ursa was like, "No, let's let's stick to the book here. I don't I don't like the idea of tampering. Let's just wait." And by the time they waited, Danico Atri was the best guy they got, and now he's just sitting on oodles of cap space that I don't know what they're going to do with. And it's not like 2018 cap space carries over. It's not it's not rollover minutes here. It's not oh I had so much last year I'm gonna have so much more next year. That's not how it works. Once you don't you don't use it you lose it. You know I, I guess you don't tech, obviously that millions of dollars that they have in their pockets stay. But if you don't use it you're not allowed to like use what you didn't use last year on 2019. I, I I'm kind of flabbergasted by the amount of cap space that they they have left at this point. I'm calling them 2018. Throw it. They're throwing it. Just throw. It's just so early to already throw it. Andrew Luck's injury must be bad. It must be so so bad. I can't. I. I He's never playing. Yeah, again. I think he's never Tim, playing again. Jim say saw that you know Andrew Luck's never coming back, and he just said, "I'm keeping this 75 million and buying a yacht." I I, I don't know. I think that's what he's that's what he just decided on. Well, Jim say if you do want to spend some of that money, you can obviously throw it to, over here uh, to us at Down and Distance, and uh, it was a fun one today. We tried to cover as much as we could of this free agency. It's been pretty hectic, especially with all these trades going on. But next time, I know we promised you guys the Broncos this time, but we're going to get it to you next time, we promise. And again, thanks for listening. Make sure if you like what you heard, give us a follow, shoot us a review, give us a follow on Twitter at Down and Distance Pod, and uh, we'll see you.